If you have a Bible today, we're going to be in Psalm 127. And I just want to share a word of encouragement uh, to fathers. Some of you here, I know, um, you know, you might even be missing your dad. You know, maybe uh, he's no longer with us. I know my dad uh, went home to be with the Lord in 2020. And my father-in-law, 1994, he was like a father figure to me as well as my uncle in 2005. And so, you know, my heart goes out to you. Um, my, my prayer is that God will carry you through the difficult times. But um, I know today uh, we're living in some important days in which we have to understand the significance of a father. And, you know, one of the things that's true as well is that even if your kids are older, huh, guys, you're still a father, huh? You're, you're still there. You're praying for them. You're doing your best to influence them for good, offer them counsel. Uh, how can you help? Things like that. And so, yeah, my kids are a little older, but that is something that is ongoing. And so it's a huge thing. And the father figures that are out there is so, so important. But, you know, when I was thinking about this, um, again, there's, you know, the temptation just to continue teaching through where we're at in the book of Philippians, which I'm sure the Lord would have been okay with. But the significance of where we are today in history and how important fathers are, it just prompted me to come and to share this story with you guys. And there's a million things we could talk about. I'm not going to pretend to think that I can preach a sermon that covers all the necessary points of being a good father. Um, but I, I think that we need to at least touch on this. And hopefully the Lord will stir us up as men. You know, men have a tendency to be a little bit more conquest-oriented, not as nurturing as, as the moms, a lot of, sometimes not as involved as we should be. Uh, we, generally speaking, have a track record of spending less time with our kids. And so um, it's a challenge for us. Uh, Adrian Rogers said, to be a good man is difficult. To be a good husband is more difficult. But to be a good father is the most difficult of all. Now, I'm not sure exactly why he said that. I was kind of like, uh, you know, interrogating that question. But I, I think I could think of a lot of things. But one of the things that just right off the bat that captured me is I know Adrian Rogers. He's one of my spiritual mentors. And if he said that, there's, there's, there's got to be a lot of truth to that. I you know uh, to be a good man. Some of you guys here are single. And the Bible talks about Barnabas was a good man and God did a good work in his life, right? But then when you get married, it gets a little bit more difficult because you're living with a sinner, right? Your wife is a sinner, you're a sinner, and it can be a challenge at times, right? We talked about how it's like two porcupines trying to get together. That can be a challenge. But now you add more sinners to the, to the group. And just the fact, I remember when my daughter was born, 1993, my son, 1996, these little bundles of, of joy um, man, but me not having experience, so to speak, and here I have this responsibility of raising these kids, and, uh, and you know, some people say, well, they're innocent. No, they're not. They're, they're, you know, they're sinners. We're all sinners, right? And Lord, how can I mold them and shape them and be used by you to raise them in your ways with the primary goal being that they would go to heaven one day? You know, that's my desire. And so, Lord, uh, I know this is going to be a challenge. And what we see going on today is just that we are going to need God's help. 
especially when you consider uh, what's going on in the world today. The world today is trying to sell us a lie that says the role of a father is not significant. You know, I believe that God knew what he was doing when he made Adam and Eve and then blessed them with children, right? Don't you? God knew what he was doing. So why is it that the world is trying to eradicate the way that God has given to us that nuclear family? It's because we have an enemy. I'm going to read to you a quote from a gal named Gloria Steinem. She's a feminist. And this is what she said. She says, marriage has existed for the benefit of men and is a legalized, sanctioned control of women. The end of the institution of marriage is a necessary condition for the liberation of women. She said, it is important for us to encourage women to leave their husbands. We must work to destroy marriage. She said, the nuclear family must be replaced with a new form of family where individuals live together to meet the needs of all people, there must come a new way of looking at children. Children must be seen as the entire responsibility of the entire society rather than their parents. And so the, the, the world or the mantra, the message that we see is that dads are not that significant. Um, all, all you need is a, is a mom. As a matter of fact, marriage and you know, commitment through good times and bad times, that's not all that significant. And, and what it's moving towards is eventually parents are not all that significant. And so what we find today is going on today is exactly what's happening uh, that the state is trying to say that those kids belong to us, that we know better than you. And so currently in California, there's legislation, AB665, AB957. Uh, you can go uh, to uh, realimpact.us. You can find out more details about that. But basically what it is, is the state saying, if you're a 12-year-old, um, you know, mentally talking to their counselor at school, says, I don't want to go home because I don't think it's a good environment for me, then the school is not mandated to contact the parents. They just find a new place for that child to live. If the parent doesn't affirm the gender choice of that child, that young child, then again, the state will find a new place for that child to live. Now, this is real legislation going on in California today. There's a fight for the family. Now I've told you guys this. There's a the family is the fabric of society. And so that's why God said I'm going to make a man. And he's going to be strong and he's going to be uh, in, given that 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 role uh, the the woman. I've told you guys this before. Um who's better, men or women? Men are better at being men. Women are better at being women. Doesn't that make sense to you? And God said, "Okay, you need a husband, you need a dad, you need a mom." And we need a family. And what's happened today is they're eroding that. So I was thinking about doing a skit one day. We should do a skit. And so we'll have one guy over here and another guy over here. And he pushes him. Okay? So particular yourself, you're on this side and you get pushed. And as a Christian, what do you do when you get pushed? You suck. No, I'm just joking. You don't do that, right? <laughs> you don't do that. As a Christian, what do you do? You're like, Okay, Lord, please help me. Lord, please help them. Then they push you again. And you're like, okay, Lord, please help me. Please help them. Then they push you again. Jesus said, what? Turn the other cheek, right? That type of thing, right? 
But, um, but, but here's the problem now. This is part of the problem. There's more to it. But right here, right here are my kids. Right here are my kids. And now you, you want to take my kids away. You want to say that you're a better parent than them. And so what do you do now? You push back, don't you? Eventually you come to a point where enough where we realize that the perversity that's taking place in society today, there's not like this moral line that they have, well, okay, we won't go any farther than that. No, it's because of the fact that it's demonically influenced and it will continue just like we read in the Old Testament of the Canaanites and all the things that they practiced. And so for us, I think it's important. That's why today I thought, Lord, I really need to talk uh, to the dads. I need to be a, a better dad. And let's take this responsibility seriously. I, I know I was thinking about the sitcoms that are on television today and the way that they make the fathers this fumbling, stumbling, bumbling man. Okay, has that taken a toll? Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's entertaining. No, it's it's taken its toll. It used to be father knows best. It used to be these, you know, sitcoms, you know, that were giving us a role model there. But now it's like dads don't know anything. And so all I'm saying is, okay, guys, let's try to be like our heavenly father. Let's rise up to the responsibility that we have. I know I have an awesome heavenly father. He loves me. He, he shows me grace. When I pray, I can talk to him and tell him anything. But, man, he disciplines me. He does. And it's necessary. And we need to do the same. So let's look at this psalm right here. Psalm 127. It, it, notice what we read here. Psalm 127. It's a song of ascents of Solomon. And so what that means is it was a song that they would sing when they would ascend to go to Jerusalem for you know a feast day. And it was written by Solomon. Only one of two psalms that were written by him. Um, and, and one of the things that you'll see, which we see it even in the Proverbs, is Solomon knew a lot, but unfortunately he didn't live it. And there is a huge difference between knowing and living. But look what he says in verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of, a, of, a, of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. And so uh, a few words, I think, that kind of stand out, that might summarize in one sense that what we're going to talk about. Uh, number one is the word uh, workers. Notice it says in verse one, unless the Lord builds a the house, they labor in vain who build it. Number two is the word watchers. It says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stays awake in vain. Number three is the word worriers. And we'll, we'll talk about this. It has a question mark on it. 
you know, how any of you guys out of, as parents, do you ever worry about your kids? I'm just curious. Kind of do, huh? We care, we're concerned. Um, but here we see that, you know, when we start doing things God's way, we can have a peace that surpasses understanding because we're putting them in God's hands. We're doing the best that we can. None of us here are perfect, but we're going to see that. And then number four is the word warrior. And so there are arrows in the hand, it says in verse four, of a warrior. Dad, did you know that you're a warrior? I hope you know this. And so we look at this, first of all, the first word is the word a worker. And so it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they, they labor in vain who build it. And so um, how many of you guys, dads, men, you know that you are called to work? I'm curious. You guys know that, right? You guys know that you've been given muscles to go to the gym, right? That's why. No, I'm just joking. No, we are called to work. And it talks about right here, building a house. That, now, that would be cool. I was looking at Gio back there. He could build a house. That would be kind of cool. My father-in-law built a house in East Los Angeles. He built a house in, in Orange County. That would be kind of cool, literally, physically building a house. Now, I, I will say this, that it doesn't, right here it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Now, just in case you're wondering, you're like, well, it's got to be the Lord, and so I don't have to work. No, it doesn't say you don't have to work. You still labor. You still work. But as you do, make sure it's done with, you know, the Lord's anointing. It's done God's way. And so um, I want to encourage men. I want to encourage dads. I want to encourage future dads to work hard, you guys, you know, I remember uh, there was a time when I had, uh, you know, I think it was three jobs, working seven days a week, you know, for years, you know, and just trying to make ends meet. Sometimes you have dads out there that don't even want to work. They don't want to work and provide for the family. And so dads, um, I want to encourage you to work. Now, sometimes I talk to young men nowadays and how are they going to make it in today's society, the economy, and all the things that are going on? And, you know, it is a challenge. But let me just say this, that if you put God first, he will provide for you. And you will. So it has to be, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. You know, you're going to put God first, and you're going to work hard. And check it out, man. He's going to provide for you guys. You know, he's going to give you the, the clothes that you need, the, the food. He's going to bless you, man. He's going to put a roof over your head. You might not get the Bentley. Maybe you will. But you will get the Honda. You will get the Toyota. You will get, you know, the car that you need, man. And it's reliable transportation. And there was a while there. I mean, I started taking the bus when I was in the fifth grade. So God will take care of your needs. Men, you got to work hard and you got to build that house. But I'll bet you almost anything, most of you guys here know, that it's not really physical that he's talking about, although that's part of it. It's primarily spiritual, huh? Like you're, you're building a house spiritually. So men, if you're called to work hard to build that house physically, then you're called to work harder to build that house spiritually. 
And I pray that we have this in our heart. You know, because as I'm building a house, I'm building this place that is protecting my children and my wife, uh, protecting us from the elements of the world, from, you know, those uh, people that we see the enemy, unfortunately, who who wants to do his thing. I I was thinking about Matthew chapter 7. If you would turn there. Matthew chapter 7. Now, Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, which is the closest thing we have to a Christian manifesto. And so the Lord gives us amazing uh, words, you know, on how to live our life as Christians. And so I really encourage you guys to read it and just to continue to read the Bible as a whole. But look what he says in Matthew 7 verse 24. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. And so, you know, you can visualize it, you know, and I remember this cartoon I used to watch. It gives an illustration of this. The guy's building the house He's working hard, he's, he's got the foundation, and you know, as he's hearing these sayings of Jesus, he's not just hearing them, he's doing them. And when the rain came, and the winds, and the storm, any of you guys ever you know, went through a hurricane? I mean, the crazy things that can happen in life, huh? And what ends up happening is this family, this family stood. They stood. Because they heard the word and they did the word, right? And so it's founded on the rock. Here's a guy building that house. But look what it says next. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a fool, a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so, you know, it's a warning for me. I can hear the word. I might even be able to teach the word. But if I don't live the word, if I don't live it, if I don't do it, then when the rains come, the flood, the storm, the whatever, the crazy assault of the enemy, then, then that house, my house, it says right here, according to the scriptures, will fall. Why? Because it wasn't founded, it wasn't built on Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us, no matter what age you are as a father, you might have little ones, uh, maybe your kids are, are grown. This is important for us to understand. Uh, verse 1 of Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they, they labor in vain who, who build it? And I know it's not easy. You're like, okay, Manny, what do you mean laboring? Like, how does it work? And I think we know physical work, but what's spiritual work? And it takes work to ask God for the vision for your family. It takes work to ask God to connect the dots between the sermon that you heard on Sunday or Wednesday or the book that you read or whatever it is that you saw on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, man. And you saw it and you're like, amen, and you like it, and that's a cool thing. But now, how do we live it now at home? with me and my family. 
And it, it, it takes work. It really does. We're going to talk about things like prayer and other things. It takes wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 14.11 is an interesting verse. It says, The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. I like that. It doesn't matter how big your physical house is. I mean, yeah, I own or I rent. It doesn't even matter. Whatever God wants you to do, right? It could be a tent. It doesn't matter. What we find right here is that it's a matter of being upright, about being obedient. And so for us, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That takes work to teach and to model, to train them. Colossians 3, 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so there has to be that aspect of consistency in our life. And so all I know, there's more to it, but all I know is it's going to take work, number one, as we do things God's way. Number two, we have to be watchers. Notice again here in Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to be a watchman because, of course, God's the one who ultimately protects them. But dads need to know, I need to know, that part of my job is to protect my family. And I hope kids are okay with that understanding as well. Hey, part of dad's job is to protect the family. Let's just say there is someone trying to break into your house. Uh, would, would you say, hey, mom, can you go get them? You're not supposed to really do that, right? Imagine that the husband is sleeping. He's like, hey, sweetheart, can you go find out what's going on? No. You know, he's supposed to be a, a protector. And I think there's an aspect of that that we all understand. But, but you know, it, it, it shows itself in, in many, many, many different ways. You know, what we find right here is the fathers are, are to work. The fathers are to watch. And as we're watching, then we just do our best to try to protect our, our family. You know, we're going to see later that there's a time when, the, when they're in our hands and there's an, uh, maybe a, a greater influence, but then eventually we have to let them go. You know, I, I read this. Let me re- read this to you real quick. No longer does he need to sit in your big easy chair and listen while you read Jack and the Beanstalk. Now there is a professional storyteller called television. It doesn't doze off or become impatient. You can work those extra hours in the office, earning a little more, so your children can then have a bigger television. And so how many times, and again, I don't want to sound legalistic. I know people are already tuning me out, um, you know, because he's talking about television. Be honest. Be honest. It influences. And sometimes parents will have kids And rather than watching them or spending time with them or talk to them, they give them an iPad. This is your babysitter. Or they put them in front of the television. And a lot of times not really understanding what's influencing them. And so fathers are called to protect. Well, sometimes we don't want to protect. Why? Because our kids get mad at us. Who's the parent? You know, we need wisdom uh, not to be legalistic. Um, but we need wisdom not to be hedonistic. God will show you. And one of the things that's important is that all of our children 
are different. You know, protecting them physically, of course, but protecting them spiritually. And again, there's a million things we could say about this, but one of the things I want to say is probably one of the best ways you can protect them is by praying for them. You know, Matthew 26, 38, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Right? That's when Jesus went to the garden to pray. And Matthew 26, 40, says, Then he came to the disciples, found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? Mark 13, 33 says, Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. And so I encourage you guys, and if, if you only got one thing out of the whole study today, I would probably say this, pray for your children. Make sure you pray. Don't just like, you know, Lord, you know, bless Ariel, bless Aaron, and Lord, you know, watch over my mom and my wife, and Lord, um, you know, and then you go and you're, you know, praying for other things. I mean, is that how I'm going to pray for my daughter? Absolutely not. I am going to lift her up to the Lord. I am going to get spend time uh, thinking, Lord, about her and just so many things about my kids and my wife. I mean, we're talking about this is us watching. This is us praying for them. And the thing that makes me comfortable, like if I were to tell you, because you might not agree with everything I say, but um, I, I would just say this, that if you get on your your knees or whatever, you get you know time with God and you're really spending time with God, then he will show you how to be a good dad. He will give you divine details. He will give you wisdom because all of our kids are different. You can't raise them all the exact same way. There's certain things about them. Some are a little bit more, um, I don't know, um, can I say stubborn? I won't say stubborn because I would say that stubborn can actually be sanctified and then become persistent. And there, yeah, that child who you call a strong-willed child, that child that you call stubborn, goes and changes the world because they are persistent. It's a sanctified persistence. And so, you know, every child is different. Some are more compliant. That one over there is going to be president of the United States. That one over there is going to be a pastor. You need wisdom, right, in raising them, and, and, and you're, you're going to find that when you really pray for them. And so we're here, we're working, we're here, we're watching, and when it comes to watching, we're, we're praying for them. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers, and then notice what we read next in verse 2, Psalm 127. It said, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And, and it's interesting because, you know, they labor in vain who build it, it unless it's the Lord. Uh, they, they stay awake in vain. You know, if you're watching, unless it's, unless it's the Lord. And then he gives the third vanity right here that, you know, there you are, you're, you're not able to sleep. You're not, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're worrying over them. And what I believe that God is saying right here, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just saying, that when you really give them to God, that, that peace that surpasses understanding, the Bible says in Philippians 4, chapter 6 and 7, will, will carry you through those difficult times. 
You know, and for me, when I think about this, I, I know how much I love my kids. I'll never forget the day that my daughter first called me daddy. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the day my son, for the first time in my life, called me daddy. And I am not a perfect father. There are no perfect fathers here. We are, we are trying so hard. And that's why we make so many mistakes. You ever seen these guys, you know, playing basketball and, and sometimes, it, you know, they're turning the ball over, or they're missing or they're nervous or things like that. And the reason sometimes in one sense is because they're trying so hard. So many fathers here have made many mistakes, but you want to know why? It's because we love you. We love you. There are no, there are no words to articulate the love that I have for my kids. It's more important to me than being a pastor. If I had to choose between being a pastor and being a father, there's no, not a hesitation in my heart. I love my kids, right? But, but think about this. If I love them that much, but then I come to the realization that God loves them infinitely more, that's the only way I could sleep at night. You know, you wonder, like, Lord, what's going on? And for some of you guys, you're wondering, what's going on with your kids and this and that and all those types of things? And then you wish you could grab the bull by the horns or whatever and take control, and then you realize you can't. You can't for a variety of reasons. Because, you know, the world that we live in and the things that there are kids are, are waiting on and, and even just the fact that they have their own wills, and so you can't take the the bull by the horns. You don't want to be the one in control. But, but then when you're praying and you're realizing, man, I know, God, you have a plan, and I know you love them, Lord, and here we are. It's then and only then that you realize, I don't have to worry. I, I can go to sleep, and I, and I do. I fall asleep, man. <laughs> and I have a peace because I know that God, he loves my children more than me. And I love them with words that I cannot even begin to describe. So this psalm is an interesting psalm because he's talking about the family and about the, and I think it's primarily the dad, but I think it's more, but he does mention the man, he does mention the warrior. You know, the family, how it influences society, how he's working, working, working physically, working, working harder spiritually, how he's watching, watching, watching physically, but he's watching even more spiritually as he prays and in other ways. And then, you know, no worries, no, I'm going to trust you, Lord, in this. But then he goes on to the last word that we have, and that is the, the word a warrior. Or, or, or so it's a war that they're in, because notice what we read in verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, when he says behold in verse 3, it's almost like he taps you on the shoulder and he wants, hey, I want to make sure you guys, can you see this? Check this out. Behold. 
Children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, the word it means inheritance. It's an interesting concept because for us, most of the time we're thinking about the inheritance I'm going to leave my children. And that's a good thing. And Proverbs talks about that. But here God says, it's not just about you leaving an inheritance for your children. It's about you realizing that your children themselves are an inheritance. And they're from the Lord. They're not a burden. They are an absolute blessing. Blessing. And so let me say this, you guys, because sometimes people wonder, well, where do you stand, Manny? Because I just saw the Dugers, and they have 19 children. And hey, Manny, are you one of those people who says you're supposed to have 19 children? No, no, I'm not. Unless God says to you have 19 children. Um, I, I think that one of the things that we see in the Bible is that when God made things and was creating things in the book of Genesis, he did so for six days and then he stopped, right? And so in one sense, it's kind of like that. You're going to create, you're going to create until you're done creating. And so God will show you it's between you and the Lord. But I will say this, that the principle we have right here is that children are a heritage from the Lord. It needs to be in our heart that they're not burdens, they're blessings, You have another child and you're like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to provide for them. Yes, you will. God will provide beans and rice, Jesus Christ. That's all you need, right? And uh, all I know is that for me, I don't want to give you guys the details. That's totally, you know, uh, beyond my pay scale. God will show you, but they are a heritage. They are an inheritance. They are a a reward. I pray that we would always know that. But then in verse 4, it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the, the children of one's youth. And so now it's getting interesting because he compares the kids to an arrow. And, you know, like, what do you do with an arrow in those days? This is not talking about, you know, a battle that we're in. So, so here's a, a big question. Here's a big question for you guys. Do you believe you're in a battle? Some people are like, no, I don't really think so. You Christians, you guys kind of overblow things. We're not in a battle. We are. And sometimes we're oblivious to it. I think sometimes people are oblivious to it. Um, but there is a war going on. There's a war for souls. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 2 that if you're a Christian, then you're a part of a, you're a soldier, you know, in the battle. And you're, you're fighting for righteousness. You're fighting for your kids. What kind of world do you want your kids to grow up in? Well, if we don't fight, you know, if it's for us, well, it's just a playground. You're a quencher. You're trying to take away all my fun. No, we're not. I love having fun. I, um, you know, I, I think that a large part of a family, you've got to have a lot of laughter. It's so cool, right? But it's also a, a battleground. And so in one sense, those kids are like arrows. And so the arrow you get, you know, you want to shape it. You want to sharpen it. You want to get it ready to go out. Now, not to do what you want, but to do what God wants And so they're in your hands, and then eventually the day's going to come where you launch them out. The time that they are given to us, this is what we do. We shape, we sharpen, but then eventually the day comes 
will we launch them out into the world? Some will be pastors, some will be plumbers. One that one might there might be a president. That one might there might be you know an actor, an actress, a musician, an engineer. I was talking to a young man yesterday, really excited about this guy because he knew what he felt God was calling him to do. He was called to be an engineer. Now you as a parent, you're, it's not your job, it's not my job to tell them what I want them to do. No, mijo, mija, what, do you, what is God calling you to do? And then I'm going to support you in that. I'm gonna, and then you're going to launch out there and you're going to be whatever on city council. You're going to be the mayor. You're going to be on the school board. Wherever it is that God has you to shine. In the darkness, because where the church, I think, messed up is we took, a, oh, we can't be out in Hollywood or we can't be out in the world. No, we are supposed to be in the world, just not of the world, right? And so for us, okay, Lord, as a dad, I'm just, I, I pray every single day. I mean, the, I pray different times in the day, but the, my first prayer period is exclusively for my family, just them. And every single day, because I don't know what God has for my kids. I don't even know what God has for me, but every single day I'm lifting them up. Now, does that mean that they're forced to do things, obligated to do things? No, but God will work on their behalf. And so right here, it's so cool. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, I think of my brother Rich and what a blessing he is. And uh, Jerry and, and you guys are, are so, you got your quiver full, right? They, they shall not be ashamed, it says in verse 5, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. And that's an interesting thing uh, to close with. But, you know, I think that sometimes we forget you know, what is going on in the world that we're living in for us. Most of the time, like I said earlier, we're like, okay, we don't want our kids anywhere near the enemies and we're moving them over here. We did talk about, you know, protecting them. But Adrian Rogers said, many times we're trying to keep our children from the enemy. And he said, friends, we ought to aim our children at the enemy. And I thought that was interesting. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because right here it says that that because of the fact that that, that that dad has worked or that mom has worked. They have worked. They have watched. They are no longer worrying. They know the, the war. They've prepared them for life because of the fact that they poured into them spiritually and then the love and the grace and just the kindness of life. It says that eventually the day comes where there they are in front of the gates and in the city gates when they would have the actually the, the, the conversations with the enemy who's coming against them in war, and our kids, the future generation, will be the ones to defeat the enemy. And that's how we always have to have that in our heart, you guys. You know, we always have to have this understanding. You know, what would it be if my child was successful in life and graduate of Ivy League school, made a whole ton of money, but when they died, they didn't go to heaven? I mean, I want them to have a beautiful life, though. Don't get me wrong. I really do like life on earth and joy and smiles and all that kind of stuff. But I know that ultimately my, my, my responsibility as a dad is to pray for them, love them, hopefully be an example so that they themselves would also choose to follow Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Steve Camp, he wrote a song, and I'll just close with this. These are the words. It says, the first time you called me daddy, my heart leaped through the sky. Then I was struck by the reality that laid before my eyes. And so I cried, I want to be shade for the children, a shelter from the storm, to be a place where they can grow in the ways of the Lord, to train up my child to live a pure and godly life through the struggles and fears and dreams and tears of every day to be shade for the children. And that's an old song by Steve Camp. And, you know, picture a really hot day. Uh, The other day we were out there in Dodger Stadium and it was hot. And uh, guess where we went? We went to find some shade, you know. And dad's, Let's try to be that for our kids. You know, I know um, it can be tough for us because we love so much and we're trying so hard. But my prayer is that God will give us wisdom in these things. And uh, yeah, don't give up, man. Don't give up. God will show you. That's the beautiful thing about this is that we have a heavenly father who, um, think about it, he allows us to call him daddy, him Abba, because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. You guys have done that, right? Right? If you haven't, I pray that today would be the day you choose, you choose to follow Christ knowing that he died and, and rose again. And it's so cool because then you become God's child. The Bible says as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, have, they, they have the right to become children of God. And that's a beautiful thing.